Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hey, thanks to each of you who are listening in to today's podcast, Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell, and uh, we started last week uh, the conversation about uh, Tracy Reynolds' new book, Second Chair Leadership. Tracy, this was wonderful, and I just kind of had to stop us, Uh, but now let's dive back in. I'm excited, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm excited about you writing this book working through the process of writing it, and we're excited that the book is now coming out. We want everybody to just dive in, get a copy of the book, uh, pass it on to your team, pass it on to your friends, your family, because it is not just another book on leadership. There's so many of those. It's taking a little different angle in two ways. One, it's, it's as the title says, a second chair leadership. Uh, it's, it's serving well under the role of others who are over us. And, and listen, even if you are a lead pastor or CEO of an organization, somebody somewhere is over you, mm-hmm. and that we all have people over us. And so we're sure. all second chairs if we're not aware of it. We think we're first chair. We, it's appropriate for us all to be in second chair. Uh, yeah, so I think it's important for, for all of us to be aware of that. But it's, it's also just a good book that you've written it with that angle from a music side, and I like it. So let's just kind of dive in, maybe chapter 7, we can start there, influencing from the second chair, implementing from the second chair, creating from the second chair, chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, I love this, peacemaking from the second chair. So just take a few of the angles from those chapters, Tracy, and talk to us. Thank you, Chris. Well, it was John Maxwell that, that actually said that leadership is influence. And he would add nothing more, nothing less. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, am I a leader or a follower? The reality is that we all have a sphere of influence. It's, it's been said that uh, the most introverted person on the planet is going to influence someone somewhere upwards of 15,000 people in a, in a 70-year lifestyle. So it's, it's the kind of thing where we're going to have a chance to influence from wherever we are. So I heard this adage as a teenager, and it was this, bloom where you're planted. You know, uh, don't wait until you're, uh, you're pining away to be somewhere else. Uh, uh, we have Emmanuel College students who come in sometimes, and they're, they're so future-focused that they weren't worth a whole lot in the here and now. No, bloom where you're planted. Right now, you can lead from where you are. And to develop influence means that you walk humbly where you are, you care about the needs of other people, uh, and you basically begin to, to share your influence both around you and beneath you and above you. Um, and being intentional about being a positive influence, mm-hmm. being someone who's adding value or making things better. Uh, and basically, that's in a nutshell what we're trying to do when we talk about uh, adding value to other people. Well, then the whole idea of implementing from the second chair, that's basically doing my job. 
You know, and that means it starts, I've got to have the right expectations. I've got to figure out, okay, what is my lane? What is that I'm good at playing to my strengths? Uh, the reality is that many, many people in this world don't get to live their best life in this meaning, that they work outside of their skill set, that they end up doing things that they're never going to be great at rather than leaning into their greatest gifts. So part of our job as a second cherry leader is to help people discover their gifts and develop their gifts and to deploy their gifts. So it's important for me that I'm not only doing that for others, but I'm also doing that for myself, that I am putting myself in a position where I'm playing to my strengths and I'm implementing. And that way I, I'm working hard, but I'm also working smart. Um, and I throw out a couple of pointers. One I think about, for example, when I spend time with any of my bosses, any of my first chair leaders, I would never, ever go into a meeting uh, for Dr. White or Pastor Vismore and, and point out a problem without at least three potential solutions. Mm. Oh, and another thing, I would never go into one of those meetings without a list of what I'm going to talk about. As a matter of fact, I want them to see that list because I want them to know that I honor their time, that their time is expensive and it's important and it's important to me. And I think that's just a way of, again, uh, leveraging that. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, what what next? What are what are some ways as we continue following that mood and the tone you're talking about? Um yeah, what, what are some other things you can give us? Well, in, in each chapter, I talk about another facet, like a, like a diamond of leadership, and another is creating. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is that all visions start with a problem that needs to be solved. Uh, every vision you can ever imagine, somebody recognized something that was wrong, that needed attention, needed to be fixed, needed. And, and so a vision is nothing more than you seeing that problem solved. What does it look like? I'm describing that to you. It's a preferred future, but it starts in something that's real, that's tangible, that not only needs to be solved, but there becomes a sense of oughtness that, man, we've got to solve this. Hey, and I've got to be a part of that. So problem solving is a huge part of, if you want to get promoted in any organization as a second chair leader, solve problems, become the the go-to person, uh, be the person who figures out how to do that. And another thing I would remind us all is this, we need to push the problem solving down to the lowest possible level. If my first chair leader is engaging and wasting their time in areas that I'm paying somebody else or to do, then I'm wasting their time. Part of my job is to say, you know what? If you really want to do that, you probably have too much time on your hands. Do you really want to be a part of that? Or do you want to let the people that you've hired or brought alongside to do those things? And that's a tough conversation and not one I'd have on my first day, but I want to be able to do that. And which leads to number 10. Chapter number 10 is this peacemaking. Mm. Peacemaking, not well, we just We need that, solving. Tracy. We need that these days, don't we? Well, here's what I found, Chris. Sometimes I end up, because I'm a little closer to the common people, the people on the front row, the people that are you know, at the front counter at the desk, or the, that are you know, uh, the people on the front line, um, I have a little closer relationship, a little more trust there that I'm peacemaking. So I end up helping people uh, make peace among themselves, but also sometimes I get to be that harbinger of peacemaking for between them and the first cheerleader. 
And sometimes it's, I would say most of the time, it's a misunderstanding. Uh, they, they don't have the vantage point of a first cheerleader. So I get to see, well, you know what? I understand that a little bit better. Let me explain that to you a little bit differently, or I'm able to take the time to do that when they don't have the time to do that. But then peacemaking also becomes very practical in yeah. that little things like saying to someone who says, man, I got such and such a thing. I, I, they're trying to throw somebody on the bus and I say, listen, wait, 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 wait. Help me understand. When you said this, when you did this, when you acted out in this way, help me understand that. What were you thinking? What was going on there? Help, help me. I want to understand. Help me understand. And then I sit back and I listen and try to build some, some bridges there, even if it means a tough decision has to be made on the back end. But That's the goal so is to, to not burn the relationship down or to put up a wall or a barrier, but to create a path where we can move forward in. Well, I'm thinking about the next two advocating and supporting you know so you have the peacemaking and then you're coming in you're advocating and supporting from the second chair i learned advocacy when i was a youth pastor i realized that my church hired me to be the advocate for the student ministry those grades six through twelve that I needed to be the specialist. I needed to learn all I could about them. But I was the one who was to go before the elder body and say, listen, these are the needs. We need to allocate these funds. We need a, a, we need a van. We need whatever it is that I'm advocating for them. At the college, when I was the vice president for student development, I ended up being the person in the room who was to, to, to represent uh, Chris Maxwell and the housing and the, the, the counseling uh, and Everything was about advocating, standing in the place of the other person. And one advantage you have by being in a second chair is is proximity. You're just a little bit closer to the problem. And what I don't want to have is sympathy, but what I do want to have is empathy. And I've long believed that empathy is simply where I feel your pain to some extent in my heart. Not able to feel bad or sorry for you. But I'm trying to understand, and to some extent, I feel your pain. And that allows me to be able to care for you at a whole different level and to, to advocate for you. And sometimes, even in the second chair, you're solo. Talk, Talk to us about that uh, <laughs> chapter, soloing from the second chair. Well, here's the crazy thing. I, I relate this to music world. I learned that in the jazz band environment, that the first chair player... You think in most environments in music world, the first chair player is the soloist. In the orchestra, that's true. In the symphonic band, that's true. But in the jazz band, the first chair player plays the high notes. But the second chair player is the soloist. So I thought, well, here's a cool twist of things. Sometimes we have an opportunity. Let, give me, give me a, a, an example from church world. Uh, my pastor is one of the most humble men, uh, and he shares the pulpit with those of us who lead from second chairs. I've always had the opportunity multiple times a year to share. And it's not just when he's not there. Chris, there, that's as many times that Pastor Tony's sitting out there looking at me when I'm speaking as otherwise. And that does, that, that'll scare the liver out of you on the one hand, but it also honors me. And I try to honor him. Here's the thing. I'm able to, to solo, so to speak, from the, but here's what I know. A, I know my lane. I know to stay in it. And sometimes after one of those uh, speaking times, there'll, there'll be occasionally somebody will say, hey, oh, you were awesome. You were great. And they'll kind of, whether they meant to or not, 
compare you to the senior guy? And immediately, I've already thought through this. You know what? I appreciate that. Thanks for your encouragement. But you know what? I ought to be. I had six months to prepare for that thing. Uh, Don't you love Pastor Tony has to preach twice a week. How in the world he cranks out great stuff week after week after week. I said, man, I don't know that I could ever do that. Now, what did I just do? Without being disingenuous, I was able to receive a compliment and just simply say back to you, you know what? I I had a little solo there, but I am not the solo player here. I'm not the first year player. And without saying a word of reproof, I was just able to just say, you know what? No, let's keep things in the right perspective here. I hope that's helpful. That is very helpful. Sometimes when the soloist, you know, using that illustration gets a little attention, they assume that that's a call from God for them to no longer be second chair. Right. When it may be just confirming you're doing the second chair well. Stay there. And, 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 and let that be a place where we're not kind of always glancing, looking for somewhere else to go. All right, Tracy, this is so good. We've got uh, a little more time. Uh, dive us into those next, uh, next few chapters of the book. Well, the next chapter is called Multiplying from Second Chair. And my first day on the job as a youth pastor at the ripe old age of 21, fresh off the road, my boss told me, and I think this is a direct quote, he said, your job, young man, is to work yourself out of a job. And I first thought, no way, whoa, 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 wait. If I work myself out of a job, that means somebody else is going to have my job, right? Well, I didn't understand what he meant that day. But I have since then learned that it is always my job to work myself out of a job. Here's what I know. We're all going to be replaced at some point. My daddy used to say to me, son, if you think you're all that, if you think you're all that, son, put your hand in a bucket of water. And then take your hand out of that water and show me your handprint. The point is, we're all expendable. We're all going to be replaced. Uh, Jesus knew this. Jesus set his followers up. Uh, matter of fact, John the Baptist set Jesus up. Then Jesus set us all up. He knew he was there's going to, I'm, go, I'm leaving you. I'm going away. It's good for you that I go away. You know, multiplying from second chair just means that I'm there to raise up people to do what I do. So I'm always looking for people who could do what I do. And uh, the difference between a doer, somebody who is the go-to person that makes it happen, and a leader is leaders are always looking for that next, that next person who not only could do, but can do, and you teach them how to do that. Um, the next chapter uh, gets a bit personal. Mm. It talks about how, because we are all aware of first chair failure. You know, the people, when when the first chair leader fails, it becomes front page news. Yeah, it does. And that's not terribly fair because second chair leaders fail too. So what I call this one is second chair failure and fatal flaws. And I just want to embrace the fact that we, well, I call it this way, even on my best day, my best day, I sin and fall short of the glory of God. I used to think, well, yeah, when the Bible talks about me being sinful and sinning and falling short of the glory of God, that that was on my worst day. No, Chris, on my best day, Mm -hmm. I don't really add up. So what I really need is some real accountability. And that just means that I've got some people who love me enough to tell me the truth. You're one of those people in my life, Chris. I know that if if I come at something wrong or if I'm headed down the wrong path, you're not let me you're not going to let me go down that road very long without lovingly correcting me or sometimes even sternly. Every once in a while, sternly 
letting me know. And that happens so infrequently that when it happens, I know, boy, I'm, I really am off track here. So that's vitally important. Let, let me give you a couple examples of some practice there. Uh, some ways that I might be tempted uh, would be like, I might envy the perks or the press that's enjoyed by first year leaders. You know, I might just wish that I was the top dog or, or here's one. You might think that you do all the work and they get all the credit. Hmm. Hmm. Now, some of this, it, it could be, uh, well, here's the thing. I've got to deal with me as the second chair leader, my own ego, my own sense of frailty, and just recognize it. And for me, it's helpful. And I go through in this chapter, and I just list out some things. It's kind of embarrassing to say, you know what? Um, I, I've felt this before. Uh, but I'm just owning that up to say, listen, because I want them to do well. I want each of us to learn how to lead well from second chair. The next to last chapter talks about succession, and it really does come down to uh, leaving it for the next person. Uh, my mother is uh, my favorite part of this chapter. It's where I lift up my mom, my 85-year-old mom, and I call it do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one. That's because my mother models that every day, um, that just doing the one, serving, serving, serving. The older that she gets, the more she serves. Uh, and her favorite song when I was a kid growing up was out of the old Methodist hymnal, and it was a song about others, others, living for others, realizing that it doesn't matter where you sit on the organizational flow chart, that my job is to add value and to serve the people around me and to serve Jesus, number one, to build relational bridges, to show up, uh, to learn how to, to, to be the person that God has made me to be to the best of my ability. But at the end of the day, realize it all goes back in the box and I don't get the credit or the glory. I love the way you're ending this book as you're moving us toward your conclusion. You know, you got the the failure and the fatal flaws, and then the succession. What? How do we leave a legacy? Yeah. And it's kind of the second chair rewards. So talk to us about how you end, and then and then after that, uh, then we will end, and you can talk to us about how people can get a copy okay. of the book. Well, very briefly, there is a story in there that I've not shared. Uh, my church, this will be new news to, to most of the people in my church, unless you happened to have been Pastor Tony or on the elder board at that time. And that was that uh, uh, the same 20 years ago when uh, we were without a pastor. I've been at this same church for 25, 26 years. And my pastor, Pastor Tony, has been here 20 years. And during that season between pastors, um, I remember waking up early one Saturday morning, about three in the morning, and I was just troubled. And I got up, went downstairs, and I just prayed, and I strategized, and I thought. And at about six thirty, seven o'clock that morning, I remember going back upstairs and saying to my wife, Lisa, I said, I wonder how many people the Lord woke up this morning to pray for this church at 3.30 in the morning. Is God trying to say something to me? And please understand, I never had an aspiration ever to be a senior pastor. I've never felt like that wasn't a life goal. I wasn't a youth pastor using it as a stepping stone. That's never been in my heart. But I was honestly asking the question. So my wife does what my wife does so well. She says, well, maybe you need to find out. So I went through the process. I filled out the application. I went through uh, the process of, you know, and I've been at this church for several years. So I went through the same process. And I'll never forget the day before Thanksgiving, one of the guys who hired me uh, some 18 years before that at another church on the elder board called me 
and he hemmed and he hawed and and uh, Dan McClure uh, he's passed on to glory at this point but I'll never forget him he hated telling me that I had not been chosen to be the senior pastor and he got through with that and I said Dan I'm so sorry that was so hard for you I love you and I said look brother here's the deal does it sting a little? Sure, it stings a little. I said, nobody likes to be rejected. I said, but we're not going anywhere. I just had to know. No's an answer. Mm-hmm. I just had to know. I said, we'll be there Sunday. We're, you know, don't worry about that. But you know what? Because I sat in second chair, I've been able to do things that if I was in first chair, I wouldn't do. I've been to the Philippines 22 times uh, to teach leadership with John Maxwell and Equip uh, that I would never have been able to do if I'd sat first chair. I've been able to do things with students at Emmanuel College that I would never have been able to do. I would, I would probably, I would never have met Chris Maxwell. Hmm. Probably not. But God knew those things. So if we'll just focus on doing our part. And, and follow in the Lord and not try to be the, the, the guru. I just believe God can bless you from wherever you sit in the organization, be it second chair or 32nd chair, it doesn't really matter. Thank you, Tracy. Second chair leadership, new book by Tracy Reynolds. Tracy, how can um, our listeners get a copy of the book? Well, you can go to ctracyreynolds.com. Uh, you can, can follow that. You can, it'll be at all the major book outlets and whatnot. But uh, you can text me, email me if you want to. But, uh, and you can certainly find it at, at our podcast website as well. Uh, but it's an honor and a privilege. And thank you for this opportunity to share about this. All right. Well, Tracy, uh, each week it's great to have these conversations with you and other people. In these last two weeks, it's been great again to have a conversation with you and let you tell stories about your, about your book. Um, we're all learning ways to accept the chair that we've been placed in. Let's, let's stay where God wants us to stay. And as we seek to find ways to make our next steps our best steps, let's also make sure that we choose to find peace in the chair where we have been placed. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Reynolds' new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyreynolds.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.